Welcome to the Art of Mindset, the podcast where we delve deep into the worlds of health, wellness, and personal growth through understanding the way in which we think and the way entrepreneurs and leaders in this world are kind of coming up with new ideas and ways that they think about everything, about the health, about their business, about their body, in a very holistic approach. And I'm your host, Brian LeSage. And today we're embarking on a fantastic journey, one with a very fascinating special guest. Joining us today is Dr. Kayla Milano, a visionary in holistic healthcare who's blending traditional medical practice with a more comprehensive mind, body, and spirit approach. We'll explore her unique insights on the future of healthcare, the transformative power of meditation, and how embracing a holistic approach can revolutionize our well-being. So whether you're a health enthusiast, seeking inspiration, or someone curious about the evolving landscape of healthcare, this episode is for you. Let's dive in, unlock the secrets in a healthier, more balanced life here on The Art of Mindset. So excited to have you on the show and be able to get to have this conversation with you. We've had offline conversations and really got to know each other a lot more. And I got to say what you're doing in this health and wellness space, as well as treating your patients to the fullest, most holistic approach the, that I know of. I got to say, I condone you for that. And I really respect you for being able to come on and uh, share this story with us as well as the listeners. And I think this is going to be a great podcast. But first and foremost, I just want to say thank you for coming on. Absolutely. Thank you for making this space available. I love to connect with people that are interested in holistic healthcare. It makes me happy to talk about it. Yeah, it's a it's a new term that is starting to really gain traction a lot. And before we get into that, though, but I like to always kind of we'll tie in the table that for now, because we're going to get into the holistic health and all that. But I always like to kind of get and a lot of my listeners have got a lot of insight out of it, of just kind of figuring out where people came from. And I think there's no better way to kind of figure out where someone came from without rewinding back to the wheel of time, if you will, like I say, and say, who was Kayla like on the playground? Who were you like as a kid? Who were you as a child? Oh, that's a fun question. Okay. So kind of twofold. I would say as a child, I was always like very adventurous, never, never really afraid to get dirty or um, like jump in a pond. I loved animals and like I don't know, like this is what comes to my mind right now. I was at a friend's house and there um, there was a lizard in the house and like I just picked it up and when I picked it up, it detached its tail. And yep. that family still tells that story. So <laughs> I just kind of loved like kind of sciencey stuff. Um, yeah. But also I said twofold because when I was six, my dad actually passed away. So mm. I was exposed to the idea of like disease and wellness at a young age. Um, and I remember at that age, like, I've also heard this story, but asking my mom, I want to see like a body cut in half, just like how it works. And I had this fascination with like how organs worked um, wow. or like imagining an autopsy. Um, so it kind of did like shape my my career path and who I am as a person, I think. Yeah, that's that's huge. And I think it's it's 
did that happen as a young age? Were you asking for like um, the autopsy of like how bodies yeah. worked and all of that? Was that pretty young it in that? Oh yeah, I died when I was like six and three quarters, so almost seven, and it was definitely within that year. And in my wow. mind, there was no connection. But now that I'm older, looking back, um, I'm sure that's what planted it in my head because I wasn't like watching, um, you know, X Files or anything at that age. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 Yeah, that's so it's it's interesting because again, like some people are be able to see themselves and say, look, like I want a grounded answer here on why this happened, right? What what was the the reason, right? And that's the that's the a lot of people like process things differently and a lot and there's no right or wrong way, but that is definitely something that probably shaped you in in your life development as well as just trying to find yourself in this healthcare field is where you're at now. So I'm curious because again, a lot of people have influential people in their lives, maybe not even top tier of what we traditionally or what would say cliche, right? Our parents, our grandparents or whatever. Was there anybody in that space for you that kind of helped mold you and shape you into seeing the world this way or finding out to say like, yes, a trauma happened to you at a young age, but let's take this and move forward and find your path and who you are, Kayla. Uh, who was that yeah. for you? For me, it it's going to fall a little bit under the cliche, but it would absolutely have to be my mom because she was yeah. super proactive. It like twofold again, super proactive in making sure we processed it. So we had like a writing class one day, like writing, journaling, mm-hmm. uh, gymnastics, soccer, like making sure we physically process the trauma, like you said. But then mm-hmm. also, as I was interested in healthcare, my my initial interest was actually um, therapy. And my mom, mm-hmm. not really knowing anything about medicine, kept saying, like, you should be the top of you, your field so you have more options. You should become a doctor. And she never brought it back to money. For her, it was like, I want you to be able to help the maximum amount of people possible. And mm-hmm. she was always that voice in my head. Um, so I would say my mom, really. She was like my biggest... Um, the biggest driver of choosing something where I could help others. And yeah. for her too, I think it's my dad's death. Um, it made like whatever you choose had to be more than just making money. It had to give back. Yeah. Impact, right. Giving back to the world, giving back to the community, giving back to the people to kind of just say, Hey, look, this is, this is something outside of it. And I think that kind of goes full circle for a lot of people that, uh, might be finding that out now. I think right now, a lot of people are figuring out that it's not all about money, right? It's not all about having the glamorous life. Now, granted, money does help some things, right? But if you're not happy in what you're doing and you don't feel fulfilled, then is having a lot of money going to really help that situation? So for you, being able to find that core value early is probably really set your tone for you. So with that, did you find yourself going directly into MD school or where did your path kind of go? Sure. Yeah, that's a great question. Well, in college, I started out as pre-med, but I was also rowing. So like crew, I'm not sure if you're familiar with that. Mm. Um, I went to a school on the East Coast where that was big and Mm. I picked an easier major. So I picked psychology, found it very interesting, but I didn't Mm. get my science classes while I was doing that sport. So then I like figured out what I wanted to do and I took classes for two years doing the prereqs after. And then I did, I went to a traditional medical school and got the MD degree. Um, like I said, I was interested in psychology, but when I got into med school, I realized I just loved, um, like deliveries and babies and women's health. So I ended up going into family medicine because you can do some 
therapy, like a lot of therapy rather. And then you also get to do deliveries and take care of women and children. So yeah, yeah that was my, my first intro was regular allopathic medical school. Yeah. With the allopathic medical school, if you will, for that, was there anything in, in you that was like, I need more, or there just seems to be a, a, a cutting point where this doesn't seem to go to the full holistic approach? Or was there any of those seedling kind of thoughts coming? Yes, definitely. I mean, really early on, I just didn't know what to do with them. Um, a lot of it was like the time it kept coming back to me, like for example, like with blood pressure, we would, we just had such limited time with people. And yeah. so we'd end up just talking about medication and I would feel like this loss when they left the room, like, Oh my gosh, I like, I wanted to talk a little <laughs> bit more about diet and walking. And, um, but the yeah. time was just, just an issue. And I knew at in medical school and definitely in residency, which is the training part of it, that I would probably end up doing something more holistic because it just didn't sit right with me to only have time to talk about the medicine. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. There's it's definitely it's it's interesting. A lot of people could probably attest to it, maybe not from the physician position, but definitely the patient position of saying, Hey, look, my physician walks in, they talk to me in 10 minutes, they give me a prescription, they walk out the door. Right. And there's there's a lot of things happening with that. And I'm I'm curious to know for you, where do you think and this kind of derails for a second, but where do you think this kind of goes with long-term effects or where do you think people are trying to go now to try to say, I'm finding you as a holistic physician that's able to spend more time for me. Where do you think, I know we're at this like bifurcation, this decision point. So what are the two alternatives to you? What do you think is going to happen? Yeah. I think kind of what you're speaking to is that people, and, and, and from my standpoint, I think there's a huge interest in people taking health into their own hands. So it's yeah. becoming very like consumer based with mm-hmm. um, like fitness apps available where a physician, you know, maybe even is available like in an urgent care setting or not a physician, but um, like an app that incorporates wearables. So like I have people mm-hmm. coming to me like, oh, I'm tracking my blood pressure and or mm-hmm. my blood sugar. They're getting those um, patches yeah. to mm-hmm. um, detect their blood sugar. So I would say it moving into the hands of the consumer and treating the patient more like a consumer is definitely, is definitely, um, expanding for a lot of people. But then my experience in the traditional medical setting before I left would tell me there's a huge, um, like older population, Medicare patients, and maybe even not Medicare, but people who are relying on the insurance through their job where they really are more at the mercy of whatever physician is in their system. And there's a huge, Mm. um, I would say limit in what's available to them because there might be like one physician, multiple mid-levels, and they really feel like that's all they have um, available to them. So there's like this one sect of the population where they have everything at their fingertips, so to speak, because they know their options. And then on the other side, they really have like one or two doctors that are available to them and they're waiting months to see them. So I don't know what's going to happen in the next few years, actually. Yeah. 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 It's really interesting. I remember going back and thinking about to my master's of when I was writing about policy health and things and policy laws, just yeah. there is this gap of coverage of accessibility, right? Where po- population for sure, age, age, right? Baby boomer generation is aging. And then where do they go? Right. And they say, yeah, we have physicians everywhere. Yeah. But if you're 
out of network is not going to be covering it, right? Then you're paying out of pocket for the insurance that you're already paying for. So then you're double dipping and that becomes a financial burden. So then they end up not doing anything. And it's interesting on how that goes. So yeah, I think that's, it's definitely something that can help and, or uh, I mean, not help, but it's definitely influencing the times in which we're going to be going into the future here. And I think with you, what you're doing and what you're offering with this holistic approach of basically wellness care, if you would, uh, that is something that I would want, I want to get your input on. I want to allow you to kind of explain that to people that maybe don't know of that, haven't heard of that, maybe listening now and saying, yeah, I've not heard of that before. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and thanks for sharing your experience with your master's because the yeah. population health, I mean, we don't really learn a lot of, when I say population health, um, how insurance interfaces with it and like mm-hmm. that business side of it, we don't learn a lot about that in med school and it, it really um, dictates someone's care. So you could be like the best doctor in the world, but if yeah. the patients can't get to you, it's just really, it's sad and it's confusing for a lot of mm-hmm. people. But yeah, anyway, back to your question. Um, so there are a lot of different ways to deliver medicine now, but there's a term I prefer direct primary care. And there's mm-hmm. a movement towards that where, um, patients, um, or clients, if you will have access to a physician outside of insurance. So they're paying the physician directly. And that's why it's called direct primary care. Um, it's also known like on TV shows, there's the term concierge medicine and it's essentially mm-hmm. the same thing. So if you imagine like, um, if someone has, they're paying, it's a subscription essentially. So you pay a monthly fee to a doctor to have access to them for an unlimited amount of time. Mm. Um, so in my practice, I'll tell you, they're all set up differently, but in my practice, someone would pay that monthly fee and then they could come to me for their preventive visits or for, um, urgent care drop-in visits. And it's really neat because then when they're going for an urgent care visit, it's not to an urgent care doctor. It's to like their primary doctor. Yeah. Um, one really cool thing about it is there really isn't a wait time the way there is in a clinic. And my patients can always get through to me like via text or a call. Um, I use an answering service too as a backup, but if a patient wants to get a hold of me and it's not like a holiday or in the middle of the night, they're going to get a hold of me. So it's just a completely different way of going about care. Mm. Um, but yeah, yeah. Ask clarifying questions. Cause I'd love to explain more just, no, absolutely. Yeah, yeah I can definitely. I, and the thing is, is funny as I sit there with knowledge on it already, but trying to think of questions as well. Right. But yeah, it's, you kind of know the yeah. space. Yeah, well, I already know the space a little not bit. Not to but. interject, like after asking you a question, but even for me in this space, it's constantly changing. So another yeah. model that I'm trying to break into, because mainly because I think it's more helpful for my patients and for like future patients, is. Uh, a subscription-based um, telemedicine model. So like there's mm-hmm. one I'm a familiar of many is called Parsley Health started by Robin Burzen. And her model is amazing. Like mm. the whole premise of it is to make um, great preventive medicine available to women who mm. rarely use the doctor because they're working yeah. or taking care of their children. Um, yeah. So that's another thing I'm, I'm offering now, but like trying to expand into because I think it's just beneficial on so many different levels and yeah. 
Yeah, I was gonna I was gonna tap into that, and it's funny that you brought up the telemedicine component because I was gonna say, you know, we're going into these times where people are busier, uh, might not be able to come to the physician, and COVID happened, right? And then we were pushed a lot of telemedicine through the roof, right? That whole industry really bumped a ton, um, and people are now I know physicians that are in Florida that are seeing patients in Arizona just with telemedicine, you know, and that's happening yeah. globally. So uh, with that, that's an industry in itself. But do you think do you, it's almost funny to think that? But I'm curious of what you think it would might if it could happen, right? Do you think that we're going to find ourselves almost back to the approach of how how healthcare was initially given, right? Think about doctors' visits to the house, right? But with a technology component, do you think that is going to become more of a commonality as AI and other technology solutions start to build up? And we start to say, hey, look, we can convenience and provide a more accessible route here by doing this. Or do you think it's going to be, you know, we're not really comfortable with change, still come into our office as much as possible because we want to put eyes on you. Granted, there's a lot of limitations with telemedicine and components of physical assessment needs. But what are your thoughts? Yeah, that's a great question. I think that we will move in that direction because it's more convenient for the patient. And you could give, like I was saying, the best care in the world, but if the person doesn't come in due to a variety of factors, but we could see them sooner before symptom XYZ becomes worse and it leads to them being admitted to the hospital or needing Mm. more medication, um, Mm. that the insurance companies, the doctors, and probably even the patients would agree like, okay, if we can treat the person sooner, because practically they're actually going to be seen sooner, that's the better way. Mm. Um, So I think we probably will move in that direction. It is a little bit scary as a physician to think about it because like, I know how different it is to put my hands on a person and like feel them and feel their belly when they're describing abdominal pain. Um, So I would like, I would rather see my patients in person. I'm just standpoint. I do feel like we're moving that way. Yeah. Um, But you mentioned AI and that is so interesting to think about like, how that's going to be used. I mean, my brain's not there yet, but like how things like chat GPT would be used to um, mm-hmm. like filter. Pa- I mean, I know companies are already doing it, but like to filter yeah. um, or triage rather, it's just mm-hmm. kind of crazy. Yeah, definitely. And then it could be to a component of onboarding or putting in your information and then you're answering a simple survey or simple question and a QAs you of a, hey, you need to come in. Oh, we can do this at telemedicine. Oh, no, you need to go to the ER, whatever it be, right? It could be a onset kind of thing. And I think to kind of just let my AI and technology based, because again, this is something side of mind podcast here, just the mindset here. But uh, yeah, it's it's going to get to the point where yeah, it is going to start to say um, people are going to have these personalized individual AI bots, if you will, that kind of know their information as well as what's best for them and their dietary needs and all the sorts. And you can almost get a personalized on the clock question based. Hey, take a question too and say, hey, I need a diet plan for the next 12 weeks that don't include these types of foods because I have a dietary restriction because maybe I'm a diabetic or whatever it be. And it writes up a whole scheme of that. And then it says, okay, now I need a shopping list. So I know what to buy from the grocery store and it schemes out that. So it's going to be definitely interesting to see how that kind of transitions. 
But the the component of what I always like, and people get to go a little worried with AI, and then I'll probably put a slice in it and we'll go back into the mindset. But with mm-hmm. that is the component that we have to think about how we can utilize it as a tool versus as it replacing us. Because again, human evolution is a component of just saying, hey, look, let's utilize this as a partnership and not something that's going to overthrow us or take us over. But yeah, it is definitely going to be interesting to see how that scheme kind of goes and where that route runs. And I'm curious for you and with the patients that you're kind of taking care of and helping now. Um, but before all of that, right, before the holistic business and all of these things, you had to leave family practice. You had to go off on your own practically, right? So what was that like for you? for just just on a mindset component of just saying hey look this is i got a paycheck i go to the doctor or i go to work i see this amount of patients i'm burning myself out but at least i'm getting in revenue or income but now you're like let me take this hold and start my own what was there a, a battle there for you oh yeah absolutely um i'm i'm so glad you're asking so it really took getting to the burnout mm-hmm. phase and realizing that it was going to compromise my ability to care for people in the way that I wanted to. Mm-hmm. If there wasn't the burnout, I think I could have worked within the system, but seeing the amount of patients they wanted me to see on top of, I had three babies in that time, residency mm. through that. So I'm taking care of, you know, not back to back, but like over seven years, taking yeah. care of babies overnight. And so being tired. So being a mom on top of this, like kind of demanding somewhat, toxic system, I hit a point where I was like, I'm either going to change as a doctor or I have Mm. to do something differently. And it was that intensity that allowed me to leave. Otherwise, I don't know that I would have because I like, I loved the residency program I trained in. I had so many doctors I looked up to and leaving the system almost felt like I was leaving that. And then I wouldn't be part of this um, system that like I had worked so hard, you know, to get into. So it was, Mm. it was weird. Um, mm, yeah. but it was a shift of, okay, I'm going to choose my own health, you know, mm-hmm. and beliefs so that I can really like care for people the way that I want to. Um, but that's such a good question. I mean, I'm still yeah. kind of in it. It's only been a year since I made that transition that you were talking about. Yeah, that's still big though. That's still even even to do it, to just stop one thing and to move to the next, right? That's a massive thing. And for for listeners that might be and maybe not in the physician position, but where they're saying, look, I, I wanna stop doing this because of burnout. And, you know, a lot of reasons happen with mental health, you know, personal care, self-care. You wear on the body and it's it's kind of funny, uh, maybe not funny, but looking back at myself and other people's lives now after they've made a transitional change where you can say, look, I felt like this before and now after I made the change, I feel so much better. Uh, it's funny that our body will present itself in such a, a physical manifestation of illness or disease, right? Where we're discomfortably eased, right? Where we're not comfortable, um, but we're creating disease because maybe we're having an autoimmune disorder or we're having all these weird issues that are happening in our body. Maybe it's nutritional or diet-based, whatever kind of physical manifestation has to take place. But that will happen. But then as soon as you transition or take that change, your body gets better or you start to heal yourself, right? You're on that path of healing. 
And it's that holistic approach there where you're taking care of your lifestyle changes. So with that for you, what what was one of the biggest things that kind of allowed you to anchor in, say, you know what, I can do this. Kelly, you got this. I got the support system behind me. I can I can take the steps that need be. I, I have a safety net if needed. Uh, I'm going to do this. I'm just buying in. I'm pushing all in on the table and I'm betting on myself. What was it for you that kind of allowed you to grab that mindset and push forward into it? Um, Not to get too woo-woo, but around the time that I knew I needed to do this, it was meditation. Mm. And I just kept hearing it feeling it like my inner self just saying like, you need to do this. Looking Mm -hmm. back, I think it was that in conjunction with a lot of the things my patients were coming to me for. I had a lot of patients with fibromyalgia and anxiety, and we would bring it back to like, of course, exercise and what they're eating are important, but it was always the stress. And usually it was related to something that was somewhat fixable by like a change, but an Mm -hmm. uncomfortable change. So a lot of times it was a job. And mm-hmm. I kept thinking, like, how can I ask someone to leave a job that's providing <laughs> for their family? And then yeah. when I'm in this, literally in the same position where, like, this <laughs> job is making me want to drink more wine, this job is like taking away yeah. my exercise or, you yeah. know, my yeah. drive to do things. So I think it was that I'm like, I'm literally in the business where I need to ask people to make lifestyle changes. So mm. when I wrap my mind around it, it gave me the confidence to just do it. But mm. the, the actual, like, physical things supporting me, I'd say is besides my loved ones, like verbally giving support was tuning back into my meditation practice or Mm. uh, whatever it was at the time. But usually it was that. And I would come back to it and be like, yeah, you can do this. Yeah. No, I think it's a, there's a powerful, there's powerful stuff. I've, I've talked to a lot of guests. I've talked to a lot of people with meditation, visualization, I've had Olympic athletes that do like high visualization of performance or like gold medal kind of visualizations and then they perform for the usa and do just as good right so there's there's it's so interesting what's there there's untapped potential right so when your mind doesn't really know the difference like if you're imagining it and you're like really there in your in your mind i I think it makes a difference i do in your ability to to be successful 100 percent. they're 100 percent. right there's there's so much power there. And I think that's the component of the mindset, right? The art of mindset where you can say, Hey, look, how you're perceiving this reality around you is a perception or perspective. Is it a personal perception or is there a higher perspective that look, as I transition here, now I'm going to be able to help people. And maybe this is what you're doing, right? You're able to help people like, Hey, look, I was in your shoes. I was a doctor at a family practice and I had to leave because I was physically unwell, right? Because I had that. Now you have that personal journey to walk patients into healing and health. So with that, that's massive. And I would say with meditation, I'm curious for you, and it's not it's not woo-woo. And if you're uncomfortable with it, fine, fine. But for me, it's totally, you know, very tangible reality. For you with meditation, what did you do? Did you visualize things? Did you just sit with your breath? Did you, what did you do? Well, okay. My first intro to it, someone told me about Dr. Joe Dispenza and I just studied like some of his transformations and he has that medical background and a lot of his transformations are like physical for people. So that's what initially sparked me. And I listened on my drive to work. I listened to one of his books. And so he has these walking meditations that I would do. Mm. That was my first. And then like, and like a year into that. So about, I don't know, maybe a year ago, I got into more of the Kundalini yoga. Mm, and yes. Someone I found online, Erica Polsonelli, she's evolved by Erica. And I signed up for her um, 
meditation service and I would just do one like a five minute or an eight minute. And they were more like chanting and mantra based Mm -hmm. and having like, I just am a physical person. So I love Pilates. I love yoga. And for some reason, those were more powerful for me. I mean, I like Mm -hmm. intellectually love Joe Dispenza. I'm like, I would love to go to one of his retreats someday, but those Kundalini ones just like were more fiery. Like I could feel them more in my body. And I felt like it was a combo of like meditating prayer and, and, and a workout. Nice. What you yeah. Know, do you have you tried Kundalini or? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I have a deep practice with Kundalini and yoga, and actually considering some yoga teacher training. Before coming on here, that's so cool. Yeah. So I got a, I got a lot a lot to that, and then meditation, definitely visualizations. Joe Dispenza, I think the art. Of, what is this book? Something Transformation. It's a. I think there's one book, or what is that one? No. Becoming Supernatural. That's it. Becoming Supernatural. That's the one that I listened to. Yep. That's the one. Yep. So that was a really good one that really helped kind of expand my mind. And I was same thing, right? Healthcare, left brain, very logical thinker, uh, intellectual, right? Um, Solution-based. And then just trying to find my my own journey in that and then saying, you know, I need to to find a deeper purpose here. And that was what I was getting as well. I was just saying, you know, let me meditate. I started with breath work. That was probably my first intro with just basic breath work, right? If you've ever heard of box breathing, right? Four in, hold for four, out for four, and just keep going around and around. Um, Okay. Right. So it's uh, basically like in four, four, seven, eight, two. Yep. Yeah, that's another one. Right. So box breathing would be like in four, one, two, three, four. You're taking a breath in, then you're holding for four, one, two, three, four. Then you're out for four, one, two, three, four. And then you're in for four, one, two, three, four. And it makes basically a box. Mm, so okay. that's the box breathing. Um, and with that, there would be an idea there of just saying, you know, Um, There's studies out there that, you know, most of us are not in our parasympathetic nervous system enough, which is our rest and relax, right? And with that, you're in a higher cortisol level, which is more stress, more fight and fight and fight, fight and flight. So with that in the abdominal breath work, there's actually the vagus nerve, which you probably know, kind of ties down into there a lot. And when you're doing abdominal breathing with the vagus nerve or box breathing, you're actually tricking your brain into thinking that there's a lot of food in there, which will then trick it into putting it into the parasympathetic nervous system, which is a slower um, process of thinking. Um where you're more relaxed into your body and you're pulling, pulling your energy more inward versus trying to like fight or survive something. So you're going more inward. So that was my first introduction, uh, with breath work and meditation and then kind of just went into visualization and then yoga. And then I started doing like some aggressive, like shamanic breath work where you did like a three hour breath work class that kind of like, yeah, it was pretty intense. I just did that uh a month ago actually do you so travel that, somewhere for that or is that like in so person that a, or yeah that was a that was a localized retreat uh up in north georgia here in the uh, over in the east coast and um yeah we actually had a retreat did a whole yoga retreat did a meditation retreat did a breathwork class 
people left out of there feeling great, feeling amazing. And, um, I was facilitating it a slash event coordinating it. And, um, yeah, it was really, really powerful to kind of just for my own journey, as well as everybody that got to participate in it. And, uh, yeah, so it's been, it's been an interesting journey and I love tying it back to healthcare of getting people into the best versions of themselves in a holistic lifestyle approach. And it, it just ties into that, into that aspect of, perception versus perspective or the art of mindset or understanding that there's a bigger version for you out there uh, of what you can do in life and for what you've been able to do for for your patients and helping that and growing that I know that you have a lot of things that kind of I wouldn't say prescriptions or prescribed but I would say that you invite them to do that would help boost their their healing, their holistic healing, their body's wellness. I know one thing that we were talking offline about before is that you're talking about upcoming cleanse. And what what is that? What what is that all about? Yeah. So I love cleansing for a variety of reasons. And I will start off. There are so many different types. Um, the one mm-hmm. I'm talking about is kind of like a gentler cleanse that I like to walk my patients through um, at the beginning of the year. And I really love like best practice. Not that everyone needs to do this or everyone can, but Every couple of months, I like to walk people through a cleanse, regardless of if it's like a gentler one or a more um, advanced one, because there are just so many toxins in our everyday life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, toxins is such a like a generic term, but like yeah. our standard American diet, and even if you eat like the cleanest possible, there are still hmm. things in the environment that we didn't have a hundred years ago, or in yep. um, the food. Really, like even from clean soil, there's there are things we don't know about. So. Um, using a cleanse is a great way to take some, I call it digestive rest. So taking a little bit of stress off the digestive system so that your body can do the healing that it was meant to do. Um, Mm. I believe that we're self-healing organisms and and it's just easier for the body to do that when we take off stress. So it could be as simple as like taking off mental stress or taking off the physical stress of digestion. So, um, Some people will consider uh, a cleanse to be like just eating clean, so no processed foods. It can also include shakes and supplements. Um, And then at the other end, I've personally never done one this extreme, but like you'll hear about like water fasts or um, Mm -hmm. bone broth fasts and things like that. Mm -hmm. But for my my, like clinic specifically, though, I kind of interrupted you. Sorry. You're fine. (laughs) Um, I start out with a week. Because I think if you say a month, it can be a little scary. And the last thing I want to do is like trigger, as you were talking about the parasympathetic, trigger that sympathetic fight or flight. That's not what I want to do. So we'll just start out with a a gentle week one. And then some people will opt in in my clinic to like continue that forward for a whole month Mm -hmm. um, or do a version of it. And um, we usually do that like the second or third week of January to give people some time to settle back in after the holidays and get ready. Yeah. I, I gotta say, I, I wasn't a big, uh, cleanse or faster before, probably before like a year ago. Uh, but really drove myself into the, into that space of cleansing myself as well. You know, I did detox cleanse. I did some supplement cleanses. And then actually right before the retreat that I was just talking about with the, the breath work, I did a seven day fast where I drank like water and I did a little bit of like, um, if you've ever heard of the master cleanse, uh, where it's like mm-hmm. maple syrup and some lemon juice yeah. and water to kind of just hit my system with a little sugar, but I really just drank mostly water. 
Um, yeah. And I did that for seven days. That was, wow. that was intense. But what was that? The, like, what was it like if I can ask or what was yeah. surprising? I'm sure just thoughts would pop up. Like, why am I doing this to myself? And then you, <laughs> I'm just curious. It's yeah, amazing. Yeah, yeah. It is. It was. Um, so doing it, going it back, I'm, I like to think of myself as a guinea pig to kind of just a self-research right before I say, hey, you should do this. I want to kind of gain my own personalized experience. And similar to what you're saying with like the Kundalini rising and all that stuff is just saying like, it's good to read something, but I need my own physical personal experience to then say, yeah, this stuff kind of exists or there's some power there. So with that, with the the fast or the seven day fast that I did, it was um Initially, day one, day two, right? Uh, really, really hard, right? Where the mind is like, I'm just hungry, I'm hungry, I'm hungry, I'm hungry. Um, but come day three, four, five, uh, it was really clear mind, right? A lot of energy um, thoughts would come up where, you know, you would say, let me just go eat something or this is what am I even doing? What is the point of this? Whatever it be. And I would just break out my journal, you know, and I would just write or I'd go into meditation and just start to sit with those thoughts that I was having, you know, and I could just be walking. It could be walking mindfulness, whatever it be. I've just, it's, it, it got you to distinguish between your mind and this larger portion of self, if you will, right? The big S, if you will, where you're outside of yourself, where you're seeing and observing yourself from, a, a, from another point of view that you really can't explain. Then um, that's what it got. It really drew the line in the sand of, look, there's this body, there's this ego that's running the machine of like the mind that makes me think in which I'm doing and what I have to act and what I have to live out. And then there's this other portion that has actual greater control over it, but it's a more silent voice. It's, it's a more subtle energy. It's more, um, more encompassing, but it's not as overwhelmingly loud as our mind is. So I got to see the difference of that and to then be, be able to distinguish and say, you know, that's just a thought. That's just an emotion. I'm not that. I'm bigger than that. I can push past that. And then being able to do that because there's no bigger craving than when you're hungry, right? We can have a lot of things, but you go go a couple of days without eating and you're going to really feel that hunger, right? So once you can start to say, you know what, that hunger is just, it's a part of my body, but I have a bigger purpose here. And you keep deciding to that. Now, granted, you got to take health factors in place. You know, if you're getting dehydrated, all the sorts, or you just definitely have heart issues or any other, you know, underlying comorbidity, keep that in consideration. But I'm a well, healthy young man. So I was able to kind of balance that risk factor to beneficial outcomes. And I ran that for about seven days and uh, journaled three times a day, checked my blood sugar, did my blood glucose or blood sugar, blood glucose, same thing, blood pressure, heart rate, and just kind of documented the whole journey. It was kind of wild, but it was awesome. That's really cool. I'm so glad you shared that. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It was really good. So I'm curious for you on where things are kind of going with you and what you kind of see happening with your business as well as just in people in general. And this, we talked about it initially, people taking hold of their wellness a lot more. And I hope people do. I hope the component kind of shifts between 
Uh, I always, you know, we kind of put the words together, health and wellness. I like to say, you know, wellness, like focus on your wellness and your health will follow, right? If you're taking care of yourself, then your health will follow that. So I see a lot of things happening. Like if you're not even familiar, I've been doing research, the wellness industry in general is like it's 2.1 trillion global economy, right? So people are really starting to invest into the wellness industry a lot. So I'm curious for you, what do you think people are going to start doing and what are you going to be helping people do as being this unique position of where you're, you have this allopathic kind of approach of physician abilities, but you're more of minded into self-help, healthcare rated around lifestyle changes, diet changes, exercise, mindset, uh, meditation, whatever it be. What do you think? How are you going to bridge them all? What do you, what do you see that happening? Yeah, that's an excellent question. Um, and I think that's where having a, a doctor to help you with a personalized approach at least that's kind of where I see my job. So mm-hmm. I get a lot of, um, I think what's starting to bubble up is like biohacking companies are really big. Mm-hmm. I have my patients coming saying, oh, there's this biohacking company and I'm going to put X, Y, Z dollars into mm-hmm. this. Um, or like with the weight loss meds, um, like the peptides and the Ozemping and the Wegovi, there are a lot of people out there who have the resources or will find them if they think it's the right thing to do. And that's where I find myself maybe having um, the biggest impact for my patients because I can help them figure out like, is this right for you? Or is it not, are you, do you maybe not need X, Y, Z? I'm never going to say like, it's bad or it's good because it Mm -hmm. really depends on the patient. And so in this world now where you can get on the internet and you could hire, like I was saying, a biohacking service to figure out like your biological age versus your chronological age or um, buy a really expensive medicine that's going to help you not be hungry. Um, And then as things come out and come available, I'm here to help people make that personalized choice. Um, And then Mm. the other thing that comes to mind are like the body scans. So like in medicine, for example, we're really taught don't look for something without a reason. Um, mm-hmm. And I've had to like wrap my mind around this because in medical school, we're really taught to not just not just look for problems, but mm-hmm. patients don't feel that way. They really they want to know if there's a technology, they want to know. Um, and mm-hmm. I can kind of make a case for both. And I think that's where. I can really help people um, because it's so personalized. It depends on the person. It depends on the resources. It depends on their age, their preferences. Um, So that's really where personalized care comes in. And I really like, am starting to rethink even I'm consider myself, my specialty um, after family medicine as a functional medicine doctor, which means like going into the root cause. So that could be from a history where I ask about their um, like childhood trauma or current stressors. And it could be doing advanced lab testing to see like, what are the specific cholesterol markers you have? What do your genetics say? Um, so that's like the functional piece of what I do, but I really now like to call it more like just personalized medicine because mm. there are like a- any doctor should really be doing that root cause approach. But what I feel like I do that's different than like the AI or the chatbot or um, like another provider is providing a personalized perspective because mm. that's really invaluable. I think, I don't know yeah. if that answered your question, but no, it does. Yeah, it does. It definitely yeah. does. 
Yeah, it's it's. I think that personalized approach as well as the guidance of, you know, understanding that relationship. And I think that's the what people are looking for, right? There's uh, patient centric wheel models, all types of things, right, coming out where people are saying, you know, or physician practices are stating that, you know, we need to put the patient right in the center of the hub, you know, and the wheel uh, spokes go all the way around and every position is positioned around to help the patient out. And I think that is, you know, what you're trying to do or help in that regard of being, how do we build a relationship? How is there a better physician position? physician patient relationship uh <laughs> in a in a more holistic approach where you do know the insides and outs of somebody's life and i think as someone as a, who goes to physicians as well as a patient right i would say it's best and it feels better to me naturally intrinsically to say would i rather go to somebody that's just checking boxes on a on a on a on a form if you will it's not really a form but you know what i'm saying uh or somebody that has a deeper connection with me and understands the, the intrinsic rates of who i am what i'm struggling with maybe i'm going through something maybe i just went through something versus you know oh you have Absolutely. high blood pressure right and that made me think too so i try not to talk i don't necessarily tell my patients this all the time but just cuz you and i are talking about mindset and um, like really being a centered person and a connected mm-hmm. person. I feel like as a physician, I mean, there's just no way it doesn't impact my patients that I make a point to take care of myself. And of course, like taking care of yourself is eating well and, and moving. Right. Mm-hmm. So I mean that, but also like the spiritual aspect and, mm-hmm. um, I don't ever like forcefully talk about like religion or politics or spirituality with my patients. But since you and I are talking like professionally, I yeah. think that you would probably agree, like connecting makes you do a better job in everything that you do because Absolutely. you're, it's like for a, a higher purpose and a bigger, mm-hmm. um, a bigger world and a bigger vision mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. me doing what's right for me. I know that I do a better job for my patients. And I, I love that. Um, and I couldn't have done that if I were still in that, t- that typical insurance driven world. Mm. Yeah, it's very true. Or maybe you I limit. could, but I didn't think I could. Yeah, you might be able to, but it's how long you go for until they say, you know what, Kayla, you're just spending too many, too long with your patients, right? Or- right. Right. Or yeah, exactly. you can't talk about this with your patients or that prescription's yeah. not part of our best practices or whatever it be, you know? So it's definitely yeah. it's 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 a way and I gotta say condone you again for being able to do what you're doing in that and, and, and push this industry into a way where people are being able to come to you as well and find information on you and I know your social media's got a great amount of information on it about cleanses and taking care of yourself and being, you know, uh, health focused or health conscious where you're you know holistically self-centered powerful feeling it and mentally believing it and then stepping into that so um i gotta say it's definitely great to hear and see all of that but uh, before we wrap up the show i want to see if you got anything that would be a beneficial insight for someone that might be looking for a little bit more information maybe it's a blog maybe it's a speaker maybe it's an event or a book or something that says this is lifestyle medicine or this is holistic medicine. Um, this is where a lot, this is the meats and potatoes of it. This is who cut it and filmed, created it. This is who is a really good place or to start or a good place to start. A good place to start. Yes. No, that's great. If you, okay. 
I'm going to plug myself and then I'm going to tell you the other thing I would, I would do. Yeah. So if you message me on my social media, Heal by Dr. Milano, or you can get my email and email me. I love doing a 15 minute call with people that I just, I just do that for people um, to kind of explain what holistic medicine is. Cause there are so many terms out there and then what functional mm-hmm. medicine is. And I would love to talk you through it and give you my personal perspective. Um, but kind of like the gurus out there that I like to look to, there are two. So for functional medicine, Mark Hyman's amazing. And he has a podcast that you can listen to, um, pharmacy with an F. And I listen to him all the time. I think he has an amazing perspective and he interviews really cool people. And then more for like the integrative where we're talking like integrative, like herbs, um, breath work is Andrew Weil out of Arizona. He's, he has a amazing content on his we- website, amazing free content. That's Andrew Weil, W-E-I-L-L. They're both fantastic and a great resource. Um, but I think that, um, especially for women looking for like health transformations, questions about hormones, not sure if it's like physical or mental. I love that and am passionate about it. So you could reach out to me and I would um, give you a free 15 minute consult and just kind of let you know, like if I could help you and if not really where you could get care within the system that you are. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. I definitely think that you would be a great resource for anybody really, but definitely <laughs> for women as well and in, in those needs as well. But uh, it's been great getting to chat with you and this conversation really flew by 45, 46 minutes, just really truck. Oh my right gosh. By. Wow. So, yeah, that was uh, it's been, it's been good. And I really enjoyed it. And I got to say, you have a great amount of impact in this industry and helping people through the system and as well as finding themselves into this wellness journey. That is a lifelong journey, not just a quick fix like we try to sell in the typical system healthcare. So uh, I appreciate you and thank you for coming on. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Have an awesome day. And that brings us to the end of another enlightening episode of The Art of Mindset. And I want to extend a heartfelt thank you to Dr. Kayla Milano for joining us today and sharing her valuable and invaluable insights into holistic healthcare and the power of mindful approach to wellness. And to our listeners, I want to thank you for tuning in. And remember, the journey to wellness is ongoing. It's about finding the balance in both body and mind. It's an art. It takes time. It takes practice. In today's conversation, I hope it inspired you because don't forget to subscribe to this podcast because we share a lot more information and valuable knowledge that someone else might provide in a future episode. So stay connected with us for more inspiring episodes and don't hesitate to reach out with topics you'd like us to explore in future shows. Just visit a website at brianlessage.com and for, for more information and resources. And until next time, keep cultivating that powerful mindset. This is Brian Lesage signing off from The Art of Mindset.